Um, hey, it's, it's good to be back. Uh, thank you. Appreciate that. Yep. Uh, if you're brand new here, my wife Kara and I had, uh, were given a four-week sabbatical to take a break. And um, man, I got to be honest, we stayed away from work. We stayed away from work. We, we stayed away from ministry. And there's kind of been two different responses uh, as we've come back. Some people have been like, glad to have you back. Glad you are here. Good to see you again. We appreciate that. And a couple of people are like, couldn't you have stayed away a few weeks longer? That would have been really, really good. I told Daniel, I'm like, Daniel, sorry, buddy. I got a job. I got to come back to it. So um, Daniel and I worked, worked that out. But uh, man, this has been uh, 24 years of full-time ministry. And this is the first time a church has said, hey, why don't you guys take a break and, and rest? And so uh, a couple of thank yous, big thank you to our leadership team here at The Journey who gifted us uh, those four weeks away. And then a big thank you to um, Tamson, who took over and really ran Journey Kids for Kara downstairs, and then for Daniel and Robin, who took on my workload as, long as, as well as the, the regular work. And I uh, really appreciate all the, the effort and time that they, yeah, please. Couldn't have done it w without all of these people. And I thank you to you. Some of you are leaders and volunteers here. Thank you for jumping in and helping too. But it is good to be back. People ask like, hey, what did you do and, and what did you learn? So what did we do? We, we did a couple of house projects. I'm going to share some of these a little bit later with you because there's some good stories there. And uh, we're still married, which is even better. And some of those projects still aren't done. But I'll, I'll talk about those at a later date. But what did you learn? Let me just quickly share these three things I, I learned. The importance of rest. Uh, I'm not good at rest, and I realized that when I was forced to rest for four weeks. Now, physically, uh, we were working 12, 13, 14-hour days, but, but mentally and spiritually, just to kind of put work aside and ministry aside, it was, was amazing, and I got to be better at that, and so I'm really working on making sure I'm resting daily and, and weekly and monthly and quarterly and, and yearly. Uh, I've got to be, be doing that. So the ports of rest, the ports of relationships— I'll be honest, I'm not good at relationships. I've shared this with our staff and a few other people. Um, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at building them and, and continuing them and strengthening them. Some of that's being a dude. Um, some of that's being a pastor. And so being a dude and a pastor and you know, kind of having some fears there, I've got to work through that. But I realize, hey, relationships are actually what's really important. So the importance of relationships and the last thing is the importance of this church. Um, we, we missed, specifically me, I missed our staff. I missed our leaders. I missed most of you. Um, I'm kidding. I missed all of you. Um, but it, it, was just, it was just a reminder how important the church is in our life, and specifically this church. And so, uh, again, just, just being away from this church community and being able to come back and to be here today, it's like, yeah, this is, this is what life is all about. And so uh, I hope you experience that too, that, the importance of, of this church community. We're not perfect, right? We, we're imperfect. We're broken. We're kind of messy. And, and I'm all those things myself. And, and that's what makes the church the church and, and why it's so important that we're here and why we rely on God. And, uh, and so those are just kind of some of the learnings that I had over the, these past few weeks. Kara had some similar ones and maybe some very different ones. I can let her share with you what those are. But, but it is good to be back here at The Journey. Which leads us into our series that we start today called Once Upon a Time. Now, I don't know about you, but if you remember back to your childhood, you, you read these, these books, and that's always how they started, right? It seemed like every single book. Once Upon a Time in a Land Far, Far Away. And then over the next few moments, you'd read through these pages, and you'd, you'd have this incredible adventure that would just be laid out in front of you. 
And there was all kinds of things that, that were there. There was magic and fantasy and danger and love and, and hope. And, and at the end, it would be kind of put together in this, in this nice little wrapped up present like, and they lived happily ever after. We get used to reading that, and I think sometimes we forget uh, about Scripture and the Bible and how it is this incredible story. It's this incredible adventure. And as we look through the the pages of Scripture, we we read about danger and miracles and love and hope and tensions and, and celebration. But here's the difference. This is a story that has not ended. This is an adventure that still continues to this day. And sometimes we forget about that. We kind of get to the end of the Bible. We're like, oh, that's it. That's the end of the story. But it's not. This is a story that you and I are still part of today. It's a continuing story that we find ourselves in. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be working through this, I think, this, this starting point. That, that as I, I think about this story of the Bible and how we're connected to it, there's, there's really this beginning piece to it. And again, that beginning piece, it really still influences us today. And so over these six weeks, we're going to look at this one particular character uh, whose name is Abraham. Now we get introduced to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 11. Genesis 11, starting with verse 27. We're going to spend all of our time in this one little section. I'm going to skip a couple of verses here in, um, at the end of chapter 11, but, but here's what it says. Genesis 11:27 says, this is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran was the father of Lot. We'll skip the next verse here. Go to 29. It says, meanwhile, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And then skip on down to verse 31. It says, One day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Now through these verses that we have here, we get quite a bit of information. First, we're introduced to this guy named Abram. Um, you know him better as Abraham. God changes his name a little bit later on. So if I say Abram, Abraham, we're talking about the exact same person. We find out a little bit about his family. He's, uh, he's got a dad. His dad's name is Terah. We, we, we find he's got a couple of brothers. And then we also find that he's married to this beautiful woman whose name is Sarai. And her name is changed by God to Sarah a little bit later. So we're talking about Abraham and, and Sarah here. But we also get a little bit of, of details about uh, where they're from and where they're going. We, we read this and we find that Abraham's family is from this place called Ur. Uh, that is present-day Iraq. We have a map up here. You can see where Ur was located at that time. And, and what we find is that one day, Terah is out hunting for some food, and up from the ground came some bubbling crude. Oil, that is, black tea, Texas. Gold. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Wrong family, maybe? I don't know. You ever at home and just start singing lyrics to old, old shows? You ever do that? Our kids are like, what are you doing? What is song is that? It's like, well, that's from Beverly Hillbillies, which you've never seen, which might not be a bad thing. I don't know. But anyway, um, I don't know what it is. Every time I read this part about Tara, that song pops into my head. I, I, sorry if that is where you end up to, but it kind of does that for me. And little did they know there was a lot of black gold under the land of Ur where they were. But anyway, I digressed tremendously. Go back to Abraham. Abraham's here. He starts in this place called Ur. Dad wants to go to this place called Canaan. Now, we know Canaan as the promised land, which there's on the, uh, the coast there, the Mediterranean Sea, where Israel is. 
But they end up going to Haran, and how they got there, why they went there, not really sure, but they end up in this place called Haran. Now, we got all this information. What else do we know about Abraham and his family? If we go to the book of Joshua, we actually read there that Abraham and his family are not followers of God. They, they didn't worship God. Uh, in fact, they probably were polytheistic based on the Mesopotamian culture at that time. Um, more than likely, they worshiped the moon god Nana. Um, this was the main god, the supreme god for the Sumerian Mesopotamian people at, at that time. Uh, Nana was the, the god of fertility, uh, fertility for crops, for animals, for, for families. In both the land of Ur and the land of Haran, they were both known to be sort of hotbeds, if you were, for people who followed this particular faith, right, who were polytheistic and, again, very focused on this particular moon god. And, and in those days, you tended to hang out, you tended to live near people who uh, were similar to you, but specifically when it came to, to faith, came to religion, and it's just made it kind of easier for you to exist. And so that's why we find that they end up in this place called Haran. We get all of this info from uh, a few little verses here in Scripture, and, uh, and we see that in the end, Terah and Abraham and Sarah and their family, they settle in Haran. And in the midst of this, God shows up. Look at Genesis chapter 12, starting with verse 1. It says, The Lord has said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. There's a lot of stuff here that God is sharing with Abraham. Um, the first thing God says, Abraham, you got to get out of the house, right? Uh, some of you think your 42-year-old who's still living at home is, uh, is bad. Uh, we find out in verse 4 that when God shows up in Abraham's life, he's 75 years old. I'm sure Tara at one point is like, hey, Abraham, you're like 70. Maybe you can get off the Xbox, stop ordering Uber Eats, and, uh, and leave, right? Again, culturally, this was kind of the norm for, for them. But God comes to Abraham and says, hey, Abraham, I, I need you to leave. It's time for you to leave your relatives. It's time for you to leave your family. And I've got a place for you. And by the way, that place was Canaan. He's like, I'm going to take you to this place. I've got a place set aside for you, and I'm going to, I'm going to lead you to this promised land. We hear something else here. So God says, this is what you need to do. But then God makes four promises to Abraham. And let me just kind of go through these real quick. Here's the first one. He makes a promise. He says, hey, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. Now, at, at this point, there is no nation of Israel. There, there are no Jewish people. Uh, there, there's none of that there for, for Abraham. And, and yet God is saying, hey, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. Now, imagine this. You're hearing this for the first time. Think about what Abraham's thinking. Abraham's probably like, okay, uh, how am I going to have a nation when there's not a nation in place already? I, I mean, I, I'm guessing if I'm Abraham, I'm starting to ask some questions in my mind. But God says, hey, promise to you, you're going to make you a great nation. Second promise God makes, he says, your name's going to be great. If you know much about Abraham, you know he is kind of seen as the father of three religions, Judaism, Islam, Christianity. So here we are removed about 4,000 years from the life of Abraham, and we can look back and we can say, hey, th this one, yeah, it, it came true. But, but again, think about Abraham. What, what's Abraham thinking? Abraham's probably like, hey, that's great. I'm going to have a great name, but uh, you know I still live at home with my dad, right? But God's like, hey, I promise you this is what's going to happen. 
He makes a third promise to Abraham. He says, you'll be a blessing and a curse to people. As we read through the life of Abraham, we're going to find this comes true. You play nice with Abraham, guess what? Good things happen to you. You play not so nice with Abraham, and not so good things happen to you. But again, Abraham's probably thinking to himself, what is this going to look like? How am I going to be a blessing to people and also a curse to people? But God makes this promise to Abraham. Then here's the fourth promise. Everyone will be blessed through you. Uh, This one really goes back to the blessed series we did at the beginning of the year. We talked about how if you're a follower of Christ, you're called to be a blessing to other people. But the question is why? Well, we came back to this, right? The, the, The question is, how do we do this and why do we do this? Well, we do this because we have been blessed because Jesus was sent to this earth. And we came back to this particular verse because we said, here's God making this blessing, this promise to Abraham. You're going to be a blessing to all people. And we've been able to kind of watch that play out because in the lineage, the genealogy of Abraham, we see Jesus. And so from Abraham to Jesus, there's this incredible blessing that comes true. Abraham never sees this in fruition, but we are able to look back 2,000 years and see that and still experience Jesus in our life today. But again, here's Abraham, and Abraham's probably thinking, how am I going to be a blessing to other people? How is this going to work out? We look at Abraham. He's been living with his dad. He's been following his dad around. I just said this was probably pretty normal in those days. When it comes to the, the thing that you worship, you worship this moon god, you worship all these other gods. And then one day, God the God shows up into your life and, and says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave this place. I want you to follow me. And here are these promises that I'm giving to you. Think about that as if you were Abraham. As you were, were to hear, especially those promises coming out, what, what would you do with that? What would you think? Because as we look here, these things that the God is promising to Abraham, it, it sounds like security, well-being, prominence, prosperity. I mean, you're getting these promises, and if, if I'm Abraham, I'm like, all right, that sounds great. Where do I sign? Because in our minds, we're thinking, this is all about me. And I'm guessing Abraham's probably feeling sort of that way too. This is all about me. I don't believe that is the true purpose of this interaction with Abraham and God. I mean, Abraham is going to get some things out of this, but, but this wasn't about Abraham. This is about you. And this is about your family. This is about your neighbors. This is about people in the past. This is about people in the future. This is all about humanity. And as we take the time to look at a, bit, a little bit deeper into what we see happening here, I, I really feel like we see something bigger is happening. Something bigger is going on. God has a bigger plan in place. What I mean, uh, let me kind of share this by looking at my, uh, sort of my past a little bit. I I, um, grew up pastor's kid, right? And uh, my dad was a pastor at a church just outside of Richmond, up in uh, Lake Anna area. Maybe you're familiar with there. A little place called Bumpus is still there. It still exists. A little tiny town. But dad got called to a new ministry down in North Carolina. And so I think I was eight, nine years old when we moved. Those two cultures could not have been any different um, from each other. Uh, I moved down to North Carolina, and uh, there aren't four seasons. You think there are, right? Like winter, spring, summer, 
uh, fall. They're, they're not, the four seasons are sports. It's, uh, it's football, basketball, baseball, and they kind of fall in that order. And so this was brand new to me, and I get introduced to this, this, this love of sports that all these people have and going to games, and, and at that time, you, you were either, whatever season it was, you were playing for a team or you were in the backyard playing with your neighbors or, or your family, right? I mean, this was kind of the norm. So when football season was over with, you put the football stuff away and you jumped into basketball season. Basketball, you jumped into baseball. And so I just grew up just with this, this enjoyment, this love of the sports, playing it and also taking the time to watch it. But there are parts of, of sports that, that I, I really enjoy. I, I enjoy the passion there. The, the, I, I love the, the competitiveness of it. Um, the excitement. Uh, for me, um, teamwork was so important when it came to, to sports. Now, there are definitely things I hate about sports. Disappointment, right? Disappointment because your team never wins, especially when you pull for certain teams. Uh, disappointment that, that I, if I'm playing a sport, I'm not playing it well myself. Those are all parts of it. But the thing I really love about sports is it's all about the pursuit. It's about the pursuit of a win. It's about the pursuit of living out this goal. For me, you know, if I'm playing it, it's about the pursuit of, of playing the best that, that I can play. It's, it's the, be, the pursuit of a team working well together. It's the pursuit of success. And so for me, I love sports because it is just this, this ongoing pursuit. And maybe for some of you, you kind of feel that same way. That's exactly what we see here with, with Abraham. In fact, if we go back a little bit earlier before Abraham in the book of Genesis, uh, at the very beginning, we read there that we have God who has created this incredible place for humanity to live, this garden. And God's there and Adam and Eve are there. And Adam and Eve have this amazing life, right? They've got anything that they could want and God's with them and talking to them and walking with them. I mean, I can't even imagine what that experience would have been like. But then sin creeps in, and Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden. And, and then we find there's this relationship with God that is messy and, and broken. But then as we continue to read through those first few chapters of Genesis, we continue to see this happening, that there's this brokenness that's there, this messiness with this relationship with, with God. And, and humanity is, is disappointing God and disappointing each other and, and can't figure out how to live with God and, and to live with each other. So there's all this, this tension that's there. And it's easy for us, I think, as we look at the story of Abraham to kind of get lost in what's going on there for Abraham, right? That this is all about Abraham, that all of these promises, all of this is for him alone. But as we think about it, the reality is it's not just for Abraham. Abraham's story is really about all of humanity. And I truly believe that that story of Abraham, his life, is really this kind of the starting point, if you will, for this pursuit of God there to rebuild and to fix this brokenness and messiness in these relationships the relationships that, that humans had with humans, the relationships that humans had with, with God. And so as we read this story of Abraham, it's about his pursuit of, of Abraham. It's about God's pursuit of Abraham. But, but more importantly, it's about God's pursuit of you and pursuit of me. And so as we start this series, we're talking about this pursuit that God has for us. 
But as we look at the story of Abraham, we also find there's some tension there, right? You, you can't have a good story with some tension, and we have that in Abraham's life. God gives Abraham all these promises. God's pursuing Abraham, pursuing us, but, but there's something pretty important that's missing. And we actually skipped over this back in Genesis chapter 11. Go back to Genesis 11, verse 30. Here's what we read. It says, but Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. Said a little bit earlier, Abraham is 75 years old when God shows up in his life when this journey begins and God's making all these promises to Abraham. But, but as we know about Abraham and Sarah, uh, there's some tension there because they're not able to have any children. Uh, thankfully, I hope, I think this is true, our culture has changed. And when it comes to couples or individuals not being able to have a, a child, um, we, we have learned how much important it is to, to express love and, and care for, for anyone who may be struggling in, in these areas. But in Abraham's day, the culture was pretty harsh. Uh, it was pretty unforgiving. If you weren't able to have a child, you were shunned in society. You were looked down on society because you didn't have kids. You didn't have anyone to carry on your, your family name or your family history. Uh, no kids meant that you didn't have anybody to work around the house or, or to learn the, the family business. Uh, no kids many times meant that people thought the gods, that they didn't like you. They, they didn't care for you. They weren't blessing you. And, and you had done something in your life that now you were being punished for that. And this is the way that you were being punished. I mean, there was this definite stigma that was in place during the time of Abraham and, and Sarah. And so as I, I read their story and I, as I see this, this fact come to light, in Genesis 11, I'm sure for Abraham, he, he hears all these promises from God and he's thinking, that sounds great. But hey, God, maybe you're not paying attention. Hey, God, something's, something's kind of missing here in this. How would you respond if that were you? What would you be thinking in your mind if, if you knew that there was this one thing that you've got these promises, but like, hey, something's got to change here. Maybe you talk to God, right? You tell God, hey, God, you're crazy. Are you really paying attention? Maybe you don't pay attention to, to what's going on in the world. Maybe you don't pay attention to people's lives because, you know, there, there's something that, that's missing here. Or, <laughs> or would you respond the way we find Abraham and Sarah do over and over again? We'll read more about this in their life where they start, decide to take matters into their own hands. Uh, that they figure, hey, we can figure this out on, on our own and and as we look at their life, we find they make poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. Decisions they thought were best, but decisions that, that were still influenced in their lives and, and really until the day they, they die. See, I think sometimes we miss that God has a bigger plan in play. And here's God who's pursuing Abraham, pursuing Sarah, and he's got this bigger plan in play. And these, these promises, they're not just for them. They're, they're for us. They're for humanity. And that even though there's, there's this tension that's there, there's for them this like, there's this one thing that seems to be missing. God's like, hey, it's okay. I've got this figured out. I know exactly how this is going to play out. But here's the deal. Abraham had to take that first step. Here's what Abraham did. Look at verse 4 in chapter 12. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Here's Abraham at 75, and God is pursuing him. 
And what does Abraham do? Abraham follows God's calling. Abraham follows God's leading in his life. Now notice here, Abraham doesn't ask questions. He doesn't ask questions, he leaves. Now, we're going to find as we look at the story of Abraham and Sarah that they ask a lot of questions. But we also find right here, Abraham doesn't doubt God. God says, here's what I want you to do, and Abraham does that. Now, again, we're going to find in the story of Abraham and Sarah, there's a lot of doubt that's there. But here's what God does. God pursues Abraham. Abraham listens, and Abraham follows God's leading. And he takes that first step to see what God has in store for him. I look at the story of Abraham and Sarah, and I, can, I think I'd be really honest here. Um, They're not the people I would have chosen for this. They're not the people I would have said, hey, I, there's this redemption story, and I'm going to begin right here with this particular couple. I mean, first, I couldn't have children. And then secondly, they're not spring chickens, right? Not to be ageist there. But these aren't the people that you and I, if we're writing this story, if we're putting this story together, if we're we're God and we're we're putting these people in place in in history, we're not going to put these people there. We're going to do something that makes more sense to us. But that's not how God works. God doesn't work in the same ways that we work. And so here is God who is pursuing Abraham, someone that we may look at like, hey, why don't you just keep living with your dad? Why don't you just stay there? Maybe you're good there. We wouldn't pursue Abraham, but God did. And then we look at the tension that's there. And we're like, oh, no, we'll, we'll find someone else that can do this. But, but God didn't do that. God's like, no, this is, this is the perfect person. This is the perfect couple for this redemption story to begin. But that's how God works. That God pursues us in our good and in our bad. God pursues us in our wins and our losses. God pursues us in our, in our celebrations and in our challenges. That God is always pursuing you and me. God's always been pursuing us and will continue to pursue us until we leave this earth. But the question is, are we willing to take that first step? Are we willing to follow God's leading? That's what Abraham did. And again, there's going to be a lot of questions. There's going to be a lot of doubt. There's going to be a lot of stupidity that's coming a little bit later on. But, but we look at Abraham and we find that he's willing to take that step that God is leading him towards, that God is pursuing him, and he says, God, yep, I will follow you. Are you and I willing to do that in our own lives? Because I think that's a pretty hard step for so many of us to take. And yet, as I look at the life of Abraham, I find that Abraham's story and Sarah's story is your story and my story too. And so over the next few weeks, as we go through the life of Abraham, there's so much that we're going to learn, not only about them, but I think about ourselves. But the most important thing we we can learn is that God pursues you and me, that God is in pursuit of humanity, that this story, it's not done being written, and it won't be done until the day that Jesus comes back. But this is a story we find ourselves in. And so that's what I'm going to invite you. Uh, Kathleen talked about this a little bit earlier over the next few weeks uh, through this series. Um, we're going to read through the story of Abraham together. And so um, there's a QR code there in the seat in front of you. You can take a picture of that uh, down on that link tree there. You can find one that says daily reading. You can click on that and follow along. We'll put it up on our socials. It was in our weekly email this past week. It's on our website. But I think it would be pretty amazing if we, together as a church community, read through the story of Abraham and Sarah. 
Because again, there's a lot we're going to learn. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, there's some wacky, weird stuff that happens in the life of Abraham and Sarah, if you know much about them. Some crazy stuff, some, some, some really weird stuff. And, but then there's some amazing things. And you, you, in the end, you, you just see God at work in all of this. And so I invite you to do that. Uh, one of the things that kind of helps me as I read through Scripture, and, and maybe some of you do this too, is just a journal. Uh, I know for some of us, like, I don't journal. I, I get it. Try this for, for these six weeks. Uh, we have a, a method that, uh, that I use and some other people use that works pretty well. Put up here on the screen here. It's the SOAP method. Kind of easy to remember, right? S the Scripture. You know, what are you reading that day? Uh, o are observations. As you're kind of reading through this, what are some details that, that come to mind that you can write down that you're reading about? A's application. As you're reading this, sometimes we read there's like something's like, oh yeah, that, that made me think about this. Write that down. Here's my application for this today. And then P is just your prayer. You know, at the end, what's a couple of things you, you can be praying for? And so over the next six weeks, I invite you with me and, and others to, to read this together. We're not going to ask you if you've been reading it. Okay. We're not going to give you a gold star every week if you do this. Um, but man, I, I think it'd be powerful if we read through the story together. And so I hope you'll take that challenge. I think we got five uh, readings each, uh, each week. They're short, like eight to 15 verses, pretty short, but easy to do. And so I hope you'll do that with us as we go through the next few weeks here, because this is a powerful story. And really it's a story we still find ourselves in today. Let's pray. Hey God, we are uh, grateful that, uh, when we look back at scripture and we look about these events in the past, God, it's so easy, I think, for us to forget this is an adventure story and it's an adventure we're still a part of and God more importantly it's a story that has not ended and it will not end until the day Jesus comes back so God I pray as we look at Abraham and Sarah we will we'll see ourselves in there because they are so much like each one of us and as we see ourselves God we will begin to understand from the very beginning that we have been pursued by you that you have pursued us since we've been in the womb, that you know us, you care for us, you love us, you want the best for us, and we're going to mess up, and we're going to do stupid things, and we're imperfect and broken, but yet, God, you don't give up on us, and you continue to pursue us daily. God, my prayer as we start this series today is that we understand the love behind that pursuit and that, God, in the end, we will take that next step we need to take with you by following your lead. In Jesus' name, amen.